0: Hi, this is Kerry Tennis. It's great to be with you here. Listen, I have to make one little apology, okay? The track I recorded, which you're about to hear, got recorded in stereo on only one channel, so if you're on headphones, you'll only hear it on the left ear, and I, I really apologize. It's a stupid mistake, but I couldn't figure out how to convert it to mono, so I'm giving you this little intro in mono. The next sound you hear will be in stereo on the left side only but it's a regular podcast it's a good podcast so please enjoy it and i'll i'll see you next week with hopefully uh better production values thanks hello everybody hi there ciao this is carrie tennis and this is the second of the podcasts of my since you asked column in which i'm going to just do the column maybe talk a little bit but not really go overboard with production just do it straight, you know what I mean? Um, It's much more comfortable. Anyway, so I did a few podcasts with uh, guitar and all that stuff and I just held off on it because I wasn't quite sure about it and I'm going to upload them to the same place so you can hear them because they're from the columns I first started doing a few months ago, a couple of months ago. But This is going to be the format I might, if I have something really to say off the cuff, I'll say it. Otherwise, I'll just read the column, and that's what I'm going to do today. I'll just read the column for um, today, Thursday, July 23rd in the year 2020. How do I tell people to put on a mask? Dear Carrie, why is it that when I tell people they need to wear a face mask, I'm the one who ends up feeling terrible? I don't just go around willy-nilly telling this to any maskless person, although I have been known to speak up in supermarkets if someone gets too close or exposes his or her nose. But in my apartment building, where there are a lot of high-risk people, including me, I saw a maskless contractor running around. He seemed like a very nice person, but no mask. I reminded him as gently as I could through my N95 mask, nicely but firmly. I was doing laundry that day, so I saw him in passing several times after I spoke to him, and he still had no mask. What was I to do? It was awkward. I felt like a shrew, to use the nicer term. Angry and guilty, a bad cocktail. I could call the cops, but really, it's so frustrating. Is there a better way to tell someone nicely that they're being irresponsible in matters of life and death? Am I doing something wrong? Should I just let it go as out of my control and leave it to fate? Signed, Flustered in San Francisco. Dear Flustered, Wouldn't it be great if you could say, Hey, This building has a strict mask policy. Grab a mask free in the lobby, please. We've got a lot of vulnerable people here who need protection. Wouldn't that be great? I'm always dreaming up ideal solutions that sound good on paper, and that's the joy of being a writer. You don't have to live in the real world. But seriously, could you put some fresh, unopened surgical masks out in the lobby with a sign stating the building policy and make them free for visitors, tradesmen, and the like. You could put them out at night when no one's looking, if you like. Seriously, this would be a sound public health policy initiative undertaken by you personally as a random act of civic responsibility. And in answer to your question... A lot of us do feel uncomfortable telling strangers what to do. I certainly do. And that's why we didn't become police. On the other hand, some folks love to tell other people what to do, but they never get the chance because they didn't become police. Watch out for them. Every building has one. Look, we have a shared responsibility to stop the virus from spreading. It has to be made explicit. It has to be mandatory. So let me tell you about my experience in Italy, where I've been living in a small town in Tuscany since the fall of 2015. This year, on March 9th, 2020, Italy's national government issued a national stay at home order, and the printed piece has a link to a March 24th Axios article that gives a precise timeline of the Italian experience. By March eleventh, 2020, all bars and restaurants were closed. And I think that's throughout Italy, certainly in our town. I believe it was nationwide. All bars and restaurants were closed. There was no ambiguity about the order. We were to stay at home except for essential activities such as acquiring food and medicine and medical care essential service workers, of course, were going to and from work. But we were not to leave our towns for anything but essential business. If you left the house, meaning us, you were to carry an auto-certificazione. That's auto-certificazione. This was a a printed affidavit that you would fill out stating who you are, where you live, where you're going, and what is your purpose in going there, as long as well as some other details. Um, maybe I'll post mine. I used it, and now I'm going off script, because I just want to tell you, I did fill out one uh, on my very first day going out to the grocery store in the morning, and I became the person who goes to the grocery store in the morning because Norma was very disheartened by this whole experience and she has so loved living here in Italy and every day has been a delight and this was this was kind of a crushing blow I mean the vibe because the vibe totally changed from one of warmth friendliness carefree everyone greeting you on the street to eyes down, walking along, not meeting eyes, not saying buongiorno. There were very few buongiornos, and I really started to miss the buongiornos. I'm fed, my soul is is, is fed by buongiornos, and the more I get, the more uh, warmth and contentedness I feel. But anyway, so that was... I just went off script here. Okay, back to the text. If you left the house, you were to carry an auto-certificazione, an affidavit stating who you are, where you live, where you're going, and what's your purpose in going there. People who violated the stay-at-home order got stiff fines in the neighborhood of 500 euros, which is over 500 U.S. dollars. And that happened a lot up in Arezzo and uh, Florence, it did not happen uh, too much in our town. Our, people in our town really obeyed, but police, the carabinieri were stationed at roundabouts and municipal boundaries and were checking papers because we were not uh supposed to leave our our area, our little municipality or our town. Um people police were checking and they were stopping cars, and everything was closed. Um, Cafes, restaurants, only pharmacies, newsstands, alimentari, which were like delicatessens, the supermarkets, and a few others, um, few other businesses were deemed open. The bookstore was allowed to stay open because it was deemed also a newsstand. So uh, sources of news, sources of medicine and food, uh, basically, we were open. And this went on um, for over two months. Over two months, we did not leave our immediate vicinity. We drove a couple of times only. I was quite uh, nervous about driving because uh, I, at present, am, am not fully... Um, I don't have the Italian driver license. The police are... Um, you know they're not hard ass but it's it would be best if I uh, fully complied anyway I probably shouldn't even be saying that but who the hell is gonna listen to this right um so everyone stayed at home after more than two months on may 18th 2020 remember this stay-at-home order was issued on March 9th 2020 on May 18th we no longer were required to to carry the auto-certificazione, but we were still required to wear a mask and socially distance and stand in line and uh, you know, put hand sanitizer on uh, before entering the grocery store. And there were strict limits on the number of people who could enter the grocery store at any one time so that at peak times there would be a line, and we, as someone would leave, then someone was allowed to enter. And uh, people in the grocery store were making sure that you put on the uh, plastic glove before uh, handling any fruit. Of course, that's a normal thing here. In fact, here in in Italy, uh, you're not allowed to touch the fruit, so just don't touch the fruit. And we Americans don't realize that at first... We walk into the grocery store, we start touching the fruit and people tell you, don't touch the fruit. Um, anyway, into June, and I'm not even sure exactly when, but well into June, and it's late July now, we're still wearing masks, but well into June, there were still strong restrictions on travel and on gatherings. And this whole time, in Italy we watched with sadness and horror as the pandemic ravaged mostly northern Italy um uh, the you know province around uh Milano and um Venice Veneto and uh Lombardy you know and so in the printed piece also um I say it's fair to say that Italy did some things right and some things wrong. That's certainly true. And there's an excellent piece linked to in the published piece in the Harvard Business Review published in late March that makes really good reading uh, today about the kind of approach that's necessary and why a pandemic like this um, is so challenging for Policymakers, and governmental heads, to uh, and to and for the population to respond to it. You know, recommended reading. So there was, of course, a clear government mandate backed up by uh, police, but there was also informal social pressure. If you didn't wear a mask, people would say something, or at least glare. And the older Italian ladies would yell at you, and no one was going to talk back to them. Norma complained about the disapproving look she got out when she was out, because the vibe had totally changed. The vibe was unpleasant. It was a sad time. It was a dark time. Everyone was unhappy. No one was making any money. Everyone was afraid. We didn't know what was coming and people were dying in droves in the north of Italy and all around us too. There were cases all around us, all around us. It was a very sad time. Um, Luckily, our town is surrounded by farms. So I don't think anyone ever had a fear that we would be out of food. And the food... Distribution infrastructure worked well. There were no food shortages in the stores. I think the city of Florence, grocery stores, maybe had had some shortages, but that's a big city, and our little town did fairly well. I mean, so it was really hard on everyone. And I think it was much harder on our friends, the Italians, because they have vibrant social networks which were dismantled suddenly by this decree. We outsiders, especially me, I'm fairly isolated anyway. I spend a lot of time at home reading and writing and playing music and creating, so... It wasn't that terrible for me, but it was really shocking for our friends, the Italians in town. And, you know, the, the, our, our friends, the Italians, they have an enormous capacity for sociality. Um, it's really phenomenal and, and beautiful. They love to hang out for hours at long tables, elbow to elbow, talking and yelling and eating and drinking. And they kiss each other as a greeting, always, usually. But they obeyed regulations for the most part. And it has mostly worked. And we are on the other side of the curve. And we are vigilant about Occasional outbreaks, and we are careful, and we continue to wear masks and sanitize our hands and social distance whenever possible, in most cases. There is some relaxation, of course, but uh, I don't think anyone certainly thinks it's a joke. It's not a joke, and it's not some oppressive force from outside trying to rob you of your freedom it is a worldwide response to this deadly pandemic and i just wish that the same could be said about america's response that everyone seems to understand this and is acting appropriately but america as i observe from here uh, seems to be making a, a tragic mess of of effort proportions so Finally, I would just say, please learn from our experience in Italy and do everything you can to save lives and slow the spread of COVID-19. Thanks. That's it for this week. Um, See you next week, and maybe eventually I will start producing stuff and bringing the guitar back in, but I really had to come up with like a two-day work Time where I could find a letter, think about the letter, respond to the letter, do the podcast, and also you know to upload everything I'm doing this all by myself, and um i'm I'm not as energetic nor am I as desperate as I used to be when I was an employee, so it's a little harder. there's not the whip the whip is uh put down and I have to uh I have to goad myself but this is turning into again a labor of love and it's so great to be in touch with many many people and I would like eventually to reach out to younger readers because it seems that well uh now I started the column in 2001 this is 2020 so it's almost a whole generation later and I know that many people were in college and in high school when they started reading the column. And many of you probably now have your own kids. And, uh, you know, so I just, I just, yeah, that's all in the future. But I do want to reach out to younger people because um, maybe I'll get some letters from younger people. If there are younger people out there, please write to me. And you know, one thing I'm curious about is, um, how, like, put this in air quotes, younger people, or like, the younger people, how uh, you feel about being singled out, castigated, you know, as, oh, the problem, you know, you're spreading the disease, it may be true, or it might not be true, but I would love to hear from younger people, your uh, thoughts about this, your response to it, and If you are uh, trying to social distance and wear a mask and wash hands and all that and others around you are not, what that's like. and It may be a similar experience to the letter writer today who says, I'm not comfortable telling other people to wear a mask. I know certainly as a young person, I was not comfortable telling any of my peers what they should be doing. Anyway, like I said, that's it for this week, and I look forward to next week. Ciao!